0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. As of this
1: recording, we are currently 60 days out. Man. Opening day, NBA, with the schedules coming out. So really excited. 60 days is both a long time and not too far into the distance. (laughs) It seems
0: like we have a lot of things to talk about before then, but also seems like we have a lot of time to talk about things. So it's a weird combination. Today, we're talking about our delayed free agency thoughts. We've had some extensions, some trades, some signings that all matter. But before we get to that, please go wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review five stars. We really appreciate it. We're actually at 19 ratings on Apple podcasts and nine reviews on Apple podcasts. So like we said, if we get to 20, we'll do another mailbag pod. So if you guys are hearing this and you go in and you haven't given a review yet, you are the reason we get to do another mailbag pod. So let us know you made that and we'll be sure to get to your question. First things first, getting to the Memphis Grizzlies and the gluttony of moves they've made here recently first off trading eric bledsoe for patrick beverly rajan rondo and daniel oturu and then subsequently patrick beverly for jared culver and juancho ernan gomez we talked about memphis as a team that needs to consolidate and they did the opposite of that but that doesn't stop this from being good moves in my eyes what do you think
1: yeah really good moves for the team as a whole um from you know dynasty standpoint it really doesn't help much whatsoever moving blood. So we, we kind of knew that that was going to happen. You know, di- they didn't didn't make any sense for them to to hang on to him heading into the season. So we, we had a feeling that he was going to be on the move and they did. Uh, unfortunately, they brought in a good amount of players. They they need wing players, but man, they just have so many guys that, that I like. I know a lot of you out there is a lot of quality players on this team that You're just thinking, man, if they can just find a role 24 minutes, they can be extremely valuable. And this doesn't help adding Culver to the mix.
0: I really like Jarrett Culver way too high
1: on him, apparently,
0: because he can't shoot and sometimes looks lost on the floor. But I'm also really excited for him to get out of Minnesota because not only did they not do a good job developing him in his first year, but then they also drafted a bunch of players that are just playing better than him right now in Jaden McDaniels and then Anthony Edwards and they're a team that just I feel like they sold a little bit low because they could have waited another year and tried to do better with Culver but they got a good backup guard in Patrick Beverly who I think solves a lot of their issues and apparently is a trade chip to Philly for Ben Simmons which is hilarious <laughs> but ultimately Memphis's offseason turns out to be Jonas Valančiūnas and number 174 Steven Adams, Rajon Rondo, Jarrett Culver, Juancho Erna Gomez, Daniel Oturu, number 10, Zaire Williams, and a 2022 Los Angeles Lakers first. That's a whole lot of stuff, but they have a direction and they're sticking to it and they know they're not going to be good. So they're just gathering a bunch of pieces and Culver kind of fits into the justice Winslow role of a guy who's better with the ball in his hands. Who can't really shoot. Who's a pretty good defender. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Cause I'm assuming they didn't just get him back for nothing.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting. When you look at it as a whole, they, they really did a, a quality job of, of adding some youth uh, for a guy that had one year left on his contract and, and Valanchunas. So good job for Memphis. If you're a Memphis fan, a lot of quality players, but going back to Culver, it's great that he's out of minnesota minnesota has a, a really really poor track record of player development and it, it was obvious that culver was out of that rotation minnesota's really trying to make a push to be better uh, they're trying to make the playoffs which is great for them i really respect them for doing that because they're not a very good team but you know what kudos for them for at least making an effort when there's a lot of teams out there that that really aren't so it's good good for culver that he's out of there he's in a a real logjam of a team with a lot of players in front of him, but we'll see. I, I don't know how many minutes he'll play. I don't, I don't think he'll get very many, but at the same time, it, it could be good for his development long-term.
0: Here's a little pro tip for those of you out there. If you're trying to be better, don't squander a number six overall pick and then trade him two years later because you poorly developed him. That's just a, for you listeners at home, just something there. Moving on to the extensions that we've seen most recently in the last couple of days, but Marcus Smart, 4 for 77 with Boston. Terry Rozier, 4 for 94 with Charlotte. And then Time Lord, Robert Williams, 4 for 54 in Boston as well. So sticking with the Boston guys, I love both of these deals. I know it seems a little bit much for Smart being what he is. I know that that may seem like a lot, but He's so important to that team. And then Time Lord seems low, maybe not necessarily the confidence investment that some people may have been hoping for, but I think it's great for both of them considering the roles that I think they're both due for this year.
1: Really great job by the Celtics to retain both of these players, uh, both young enough to be a part of that core with Tatum and Jalen Brown moving forward. And Smart was a guy they really couldn't afford to lose. He's just such a great compliment to the two wings that they have. A a leader for that team, a really great defensive player. I remember I talked to you right away as soon as he signed that. And I liked it for the Celtics, but I thought it was a little bit too much money. If you look at the stat sheet, it's probably a little bit too much. But then you look at what he means to that team, and it's a really great deal for the Celtics. But, But then you get to Rozier, and it's just a whole different story with that contract.
0: If any of you follow me on Twitter, you know how I feel about this Rozier deal. And it's less about the years. It's less about the salary. It's more about the timing of it, because the point of an extension is to be gaining something on both sides of the deal. The player and the team get a long-term agreement, and then the team avoids the player hitting restricted free agency. So the point there is like okay, we'll give you these extra years, we'll agree to this lower number than what we think you might get in restricted free agency and we'll just lock that up now. But what team was signing up to give Terry Rozier 24 million dollars a year in next summer? Like I just it's great for his dynasty value because he is highly invested in. Charlotte Hornets really believe in him and he's a really good fit next to LaMelo, but considering Devonte Graham got half that much, exactly half that much. It just seems a little bit silly with a team that has miles bridges and PJ Washington coming up for extensions this year and next year. I just, the money and the timing just doesn't make sense. Make him come back and prove it. He's coming off a career year. You got a bunch of injuries, but this really, really hurts book night.
1: Yeah. It hurts Book night a little bit. I mean, he's still a rookie. We really have no idea what he really is, uh, but it, He's definitely be coming off the bench for the foreseeable future. And if you're a Terry Rosier owner, I mean, you have to be just extremely excited about this deal. This is going to pretty much give him 30 plus minutes for pretty much all of his prime years. So, and he was a top 40 player last year. I look for him to, to have pretty much the exact same role heading into this year and into the future. So, uh, I, I don't know. If, you know i was really skeptical about him just because i didn't know what that next deal was going to be that was that was the big thing is well he had a great career season but you know where is he going to end up next year is he is he really a guy you want to pay and apparently charlotte thinks he is which is which is great for terry rozier and his value moving forward i he's a top 50 guy easily
0: my answer to that is no terry rozier is not a guy i want to pay but they did and they seem happy with it obviously he seems happy with it and Drastically changes what his uh, outlook looks like. Cause you know where he's going to be Josh Hart re-signing with the Pelicans for three years, $38 million and they're it's not fully guaranteed, which I'm surprised about considering it was so late in free agency that I thought that he would get something a bit more player friendly. The $12 million a year is about what I thought he was going to get, but then obviously the non-guaranteed makes that a little bit more interesting from a long term perspective. But I love him on the Pelicans. I think he's a great player. I think he's somebody that fits really well around Ingram, Zion, and, and now Devontae Graham, I suppose, as somebody who can just get you boards, hustle, and play defense and and just he's a pretty high level role player. I like it.
1: I'm I'm really surprised he didn't have more suitors. This offseason, I I wonder if his injury last year maybe tuned some teams out or they just didn't want they didn't think he was worth the money that maybe he was looking for early on in the offseason. I'm not really sure, but he is, like you mentioned, a a really quality player, a a guy that can help pretty much any team he's on, whether he's uh, a starter, six man running that's helping well with the second unit a uh, guy that can you can throw in there at the end of games because he's a, a pretty solid defender and just a really good hustle guy. I like him on that team as well. He's he's not going to be a top 100 player on that team, but he's we talked about in previous podcasts, he's a guard that can get you those out-of-position boards. He's going to chip in with the defensive numbers a little bit. So so somebody I really like, and I'm, I'm glad he stayed there long-term. He's got a secure role with that team that does need help at the wing. Absolutely. I mean, they did draft Trey
0: Murphy, which I guess could be a threat to his minutes, but ultimately I think it's a pretty good deal and his dynasty value stays relatively the same A couple free agents have not signed yet. One is a really big deal, and that's Laurie Markkinen. I don't know what the heck's happening with him and what's taking so long. Uh, Clearly, your Bulls are playing hardball with all of these teams wanting to sign and trade him. I believe the asking price for that was a first-round pick, with the primary suitor being Dallas, who obviously doesn't want to give a first-round pick because they're so strapped from having to trade a couple to New York. But then also Paul Millsap. Boogie Cousins and James Innes also on the list of remaining free agents. Are they dropping down your board for dynasty rankings because they are
1: unsigned still? Well, I think there's only two guys that are, are worthwhile to, to really talk about out of this group, and that's Larry Markin and DeMarcus Cousins. Those are the two guys that could potentially have some value heading into next season and into the future. Uh, the f- first one, Larry Markin, there's a lot of different things going on right now with with the Bulls, with the tampering that they had, and and what they want back for Markin and 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 not liking the the money that he's hearing from other teams. With uh, so there's there's a lot of different things going on that I think what's hindering the Bulls from dealing him in a sign and trade. But I'm just really interested. I, I want to I want him off the Bulls, not just. From a, as a Bulls fan, but from a dynasty perspective, I really want him to, to move on. He needs a fresh start with another team that can more utilize his skill set in a way that the Bulls weren't really suited to do. So he's somebody I'm really interested in. I, I hope he doesn't sign the qualifying offer. I, I want to see him on another team, and I think Dallas would be a perfect fit for him.
0: It's really surprising to see where we have
1: him in our dynasty
0: ranks. Cause I dropped him down. We're, we're putting out a new update for our dynasty ranks here soon. And I dropped him down some more just cause he remains unsigned. We don't know where he's going to be, but he's got a top 50 season under his belt. It's a couple of years ago, but the bulls haven't exactly been a stable organization or development structure. So might be a little bit of a buy low here. If you're feeling a bit risky, just to try to figure out where he might be, but Moving on to the questions that we came up with for ourselves about this free agency period after we've had some time to think about it. First one, favorite edition, Travis, I know your answer, but go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, favorite edition for me, and I was just so excited when I first heard the the news, and that's Alonzo Ball heading to the Chicago Bulls. Had a great season last year. In terms of fantasy, he was really good. And go and look it up because he's better than you think. I know it can be hard to separate real NBA players versus fantasy. And is one of those guys that in fantasy is just so much better than he is in real life. But he's a really quality player, and he's on a team that is going to let him handle the ball a little bit more. He's going to get plenty of minutes. I think he's going to have his, his highest minutes of his career this upcoming season on the Bulls. So it's a, it's a great fit. I love that he's on that team and he's finally able to, to be more of a lead guard that he wasn't whatsoever last year.
0: You mentioned that it's tough to differentiate between real-life players and fantasy players, but it's also tough for some people to break out of the expectation or what they think players are. And Lonzo is a great example of that because people consider him to be a bad shooter. He shot at 78% from the line last year and he hit over three threes a game. He was a top 50 player. Like that matters a ton. He's only 23, 24 years old. It's just, he's a really good player. I love the fit in Chicago, both real life and fantasy. I can't wait to see what him and Levine do in transition. And I think that, him improving on that top 50 finish is definitely reasonable. My favorite addition was Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat in a sign and trade. The Miami Heat needed something. Lowry brings that something. And he people seem to be worried about his situation playing next to Jimmy and Bam and all of that. But, I mean, he played with more higher usage players in Toronto the year they won the championship and Colorado he was inside the top 40. So I'm not worried about the ball sharing aspect of the Miami heat at all.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad that you chose him as your player because I've seen a lot of things where, Oh, Lowry's value gets hurt moving to Miami because of Jimmy Butler and whatnot. I don't think it does whatsoever. And I actually can see him doing better than what he was able to do last year. He was uh, 54th last year Overall, I think he can get back to his top 40 ways even on that team. And the main reason I think that is because of the depth that Miami kind of lacks now. If, if you look at that depth chart, especially at the guard position, uh, there's really nobody behind him to compete for minutes. Uh, I think the times that Lowry sits, it's going to be Tyler Hero coming in and Jimmy doing what he did last year, handling the ball. So I, I see a lot of minutes coming for Lowry's way. It's a great team for him to maintain those seven assists that we've been accustomed to him getting year in and year out, so don't you know don't drop him too far in, in your ranks or what you think of him just because he moved to a new team. I, I love the fit, and I think Miami's in for a good year with him. Could not agree
0: more. Moving on to favorite draft pick. My favorite draft pick was book night until Rozier extended and completely demolished that. So then uh, it comes down to Moses Moody. The Warriors at 14 was great value, but then also might turn into a good fantasy situation, but also Jared Butler. We talked about it. We were talking about the draft. He's, He's a second round sleeper, but look at that Utah jazz rotation and they don't have a true point guard behind Mike Conley really they have six man the year Jordan Clarkson they have Donovan Mitchell who handles the ball they have Joe Ingles who handles
1: the ball but as far as guards go Jared Butler I kind of like it there he just seems like a jazz player too just a, a, a guy that kind of grinds He's a little bit undersized but really good ball handler defense first type player just everything kind of just seems like a great fit that he fell to them and you know, who knows? He could possibly get backup point guard minutes. Conley's not the healthiest guy year in and year out. So uh, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on in a, in a really great fit. My two players, first off, Alperen Shingun. I love that the Rockets used a little bit of their draft capital to trade up and draft him. I know they're, they're kind of a little bit crowded now with the Tice signing, uh, having Wood coming back from injury. But I think Shingun's going to get minutes. I think he's going to be in that mid-20s minutes this season. And Summer League, he looked good. Uh, obviously has tremendous upside with what he did last year in the Turkish League at such a young age. A really good fit. A player that's went to a team that's definitely rebuilding and looking to see what they have in their young players. So I, I foresee him having mid-20s minutes this year and and could be really productive
0: absolutely both of those really good picks for the situation that they were in we talked about it on draft night especially with houston there's a certain point where you have too many picks looking at you sam presti and houston going out and getting singun is is just a good deal so worst additions of free agency you're about to slander my former indiana pacer and i am not gonna have it
1: (laughs) yeah my my worst addition was uh, Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott. I, I just don't know what the Spurs are doing. They have a lot of young talent on that team. I know shooting's always a premium in the off season. It it wasn't an egregious signing. Like what, three for forty two? I believe fourteen million a year. Yep. Um, so I mean, good good money. It's it's about market value, I would say, for a, a player of uh, McDermott's caliber. I just don't like the fit with the Spurs. I don't know how much he's going to play. McDermott was kind of always been a a fringe guy that's owned in 12 team leagues. Obviously he's owned in 30 team. Uh, But just a, just a guy. I don't, I don't love the fit with the Spurs. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get there. I know he's not a guy that plays big minutes anyway, but you just kind of hope that he fell into a little bit better situation with a team that just needs a guy that can spread the floor. I can just see the Spurs falling out of the playoffs and him not getting a lot of minutes, 80% of the way into the season.
0: Absolutely. And Spurs fans buckle up because it's not going to get any better. My worst edition of the offseason, We talked about it when it happened was Zach Collins. And I've kind of, I've cooled off on this a little bit after the details of the contract came out. Initially it was three for 22 million and it made absolutely no sense because Zach Collins hasn't earned that much money at all but it turns out that NBA front offices sometimes know what they're doing. And so Zach Collins has about 3.7 million guaranteed on the second year of that deal. And the third year is fully non-guaranteed. So they could cut him for absolutely nothing and have no obligation before his guaranteed date. So that part of it kind of makes it better. It's a gamble on a guy who has played 11 games over the last two years, but in the in the grand scheme of things, I just really wonder what the Spurs are doing, which leads me into our next question, which is the worst draft pick. And I chose Primo. <laughs> it was just I, – I, it's not so much about the player because Primo is probably going to be pretty good. He's really young. He, Spurs are pretty good at development. But it's just the spot, both in terms of dynasty value and the – the draft spot, it just seemed like a waste to take him at 12, especially when he's going to be behind Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, maybe even Lonnie Walker. And then obviously you've got Derek White, DeJounte Murray. We just added Dougie McBuckets. They have Thad Young. They have Brent Ford. Like, There's just a lot of guys there. And, and it's a long-term investment because he's 18 years old. But still, I just didn't like the draft pick very much.
1: I'm going to get away from the Spurs with mine. I, I'm not going to select their second round. With the <laughs> Joe Weisskamp. No, my worst draft pick, and I know this is going to hurt you a little bit, but that's Zaire Williams. Memphis Grizzlies selected him at 10th after making that J-Val trade to move up and get inside that top 10. What we heard before the draft was, oh, they want Giddy. They want Giddy there. And then all of a sudden, they, they select Zaire Williams. Just my, I don't know if that was the plan all along. They expected Giddy to fall to them. No clue. Not so much the pick. I, I think Zaire is a really big project, which is Memphis obviously has the time to develop him. I just thought there was better wings available. I really like Trey Murphy. Obviously, Moses Moody I liked a lot as well, and I thought he would have been an excellent pick there for them. So it was more so the players available that I liked. They drafted the right position. They obviously needed a wing there, Kyle Anderson, somebody that they definitely needed to, to build a little bit more depth behind. So not so much the player I think Zaire can develop. He's going to be a, a longer project, maybe somebody that could, use some seasoning in the G league for a season, but I just like Moody there. I like Murphy there. I I thought they could have done a little bit better from that 10th pick.
0: I love Zaire. We know this, but I kind of agree with you. The ceiling on Zaire is very high, but the floor is also very, very low. And on a team like Memphis, they have a ton of guys. So I get the home run swing, but Moody would have made sense there at 10. So I can't really fault you with that, especially when you consider they just have so many guys that it's tough to know what the heck's going to happen with their rotation. Moving on to the player that had that got helped the most from free agency. And I love seeing two guys that I roster on these lists for our guys. So go ahead and talk about one of them first.
1: Yeah. So the guy I thought benefited the most from this free agency is Rashawn Holmes. And I mean, you know me. I'm not a big fan of the punt free throw, punt threes build, get big guys. I personally don't like that, and the main reason that is is I I just think big men in the league today are just so difficult to invest in long term. And that's that's always my biggest drawback. Is you can have a guy like like J Val, for instance, be really really good when he's getting minutes, but you're, there's always that there's always that thought where you just don't know if he's going to get minutes in the future. Uh, but with Rashawn Holmes getting a, a brand new, fresh four year deal with the Sacramento Kings, uh, he's the, obviously he's the, he's the best big man on that team by far. The minutes are going to be there. He was, I want to say he was the top 60 easily. He might've been even a little bit better. Uh, he was that. 33rd
0: overall in 29
1: minutes a game. There you go. 29 Massive. Minutes. And nothing should change. I mean, if anything, he might even potentially creep those minutes up a little bit over 30. So he secured his role for the next four years on that team. He's a really good fit, a hustle guy. It's exactly what they need with the guard play that they have there and not somebody that needs to demand the ball. So great fit. If you have homes, you have to be really satisfied with the the four-year deal that he got there and that he is staying put with a secured role. Steal of the free agency for the Sacramento
0: Kings, which is very rare to say. Rashawn Holmes will break out this year because Hassan Whiteside is no longer in his way. Uh, No, I'm just just kidding. I love Rashawn Holmes. And you mentioned about punting threes and free throws. You don't have to punt free throw with Rashawn Holmes because he shot 79% from the line. So he's just somebody who's great overall, obviously not going to give you threes, not going to give you assists, but elite field goal percentage, above-average rebounds, good blocks, good steals, and just a guy who goes out there, does his job, and and got paid for it and and should be a priority for them. My players that were helped the most, you know i got to talk about my guy DeJounte, but also Derek White. So the Spurs guards, the, the starting backcourt for the Spurs with DeMar DeRozan on the way out and them not bringing in anybody who demands that ball that much, it's going to be so huge for both of these players. And... DeJounte I cannot say enough good things about him as a fantasy player and as a real life player Derek White a little bit less so because I think he's a little bit older but both of them are just going to have absolutely huge years as long as the Spurs stick with their current roster and don't make any more landscape shifting moves
1: yeah is this going to be the year for Derek White I know It's something that we've been kind of saying for the last year is always next year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It always seems to be that way. But I mean, last year we did see his minutes creep up quite a bit. He went from being in that mid twenties to high twenties. He got 29 minutes last year, 29 and a half Uh, was a top 100 player. So there's really no reason for him to, to not get 30 minutes this year. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That's kind of been a big issue for him in the past, but I, I don't know. With the Spurs, who knows? I, I really do hope they give Derek White the run that he deserves and, and really see what they have in him because he is kind of getting up there in the the high. Of, what is he, 28? 20,
0: he's 27. He just turned 27. 27.
1: Okay. So that, that But they really need to see. He's starting to enter that prime. They need to see what they have in Derek White, and hopefully he can stay healthy and, and show what he's capable of. But I agree completely. Both of these guards, this backcourt, is really going to have to drive this team in scoring. And, and do a lot with the young wings that they have. I've been
0: thinking about it today a little bit because I, I
1: was prepping for
0: this and I knew I wanted to talk about these two. Not every situation is linear. So DeJounte Murray last year was 67th in 32 minutes a game. So it's like, oh, if you take those shots from DeRozan, you transform them over to DeJounte, you give him more minutes, and all of a sudden he's a top 30 player. It's not linear in that regard. The efficiency may go down as the shots go up. There, other things can change. So don't treat it like it's linear. It's not a guarantee that they get better just because there's more opportunity because some players just can't handle it. But DeJounte can. I'm confident of that. So <laughs> that is not my bias speaking. That's just, that's just what it is. And the Spurs clearly believe that too because they didn't make any moves to the contrary. Moving on to players that got hurt the most. I have a whole list. Kelly Oubre taking a backup role in Charlotte. Andre Drummond taking a backup role in Philly again after having a backup role in the Lakers. Okongwu after John Collins staying and then drafting Jalen Johnson, who looks pretty good. And then Goga Batadze, who the Pacers still have both starting bigs. So that's good. And then they also drafted Isaiah Jackson, who looked really good in summer league just a lot of guys who were hopefully going to go to better situations or have a situation get better for them that just plain didn't.
1: I actually had a hard time picking out a few guys that really hurt their value. I thought this free agency was was really more the story of just player, tons of players benefiting. I mean, you can go down the list of guys like Den Dinwiddie and I think like Devontae Graham and, and obviously Rashawn Holmes and guys we've already talked about. Just so many guys benefiting really good fits compared to kind of last year where there were a lot of guys that I just didn't like the fit and, you know, like Dano and, and Bogdan for A lot of guys that got signed that really weren't going to have a huge role um, or I didn't think they were going to have a huge role with the team, but the guy I'm going with and I'm sticking with the Bulls, they signed Lonzo, uh, they got Caruso, they added DeRozan. Uh, So obviously somebody on that team's going to get hurt. And to me, that's, that's Kobe white. Uh, We Brett mentioned, we updated our our dynasty rankings and he was a guy that to me just, I had to keep lowering. I didn't want to overreact because he is only 21, but I I did have to lower him somewhat substantially uh, just because he's a player that relies on volume. And when you're not getting that 30 minutes a game that he got last year and you rely on points, threes, free throw percentage, you rely on that volume. It's, it's really going to hurt and it it wasn't like he was a world beater last year when he was getting 30 minutes Uh, he was ranked outside the top 150 a lot of that due to uh, his efficiency his lack of defensive stats down the line but now he's going to be running that second unit he's going to be i I would say 23 25 minutes a game somewhere in between there it's going to be hard to say Uh, he'll be able to put up a ton of shots so that's that's a positive Well, in that second unit, he's going to pretty much come in and have that Jordan Clarkson type role where he's going to be jacking up shots. But man, when you rely on volume, unless I, unless he can increase his assists or start to get some steals, his value is going down.
0: It's just tough when you bring in two guards and then DeMar DeRozan, who's a big ball handler, like it's just going to go down. And the overreaction is something we're trying to be cognizant of. It's just so tough to put him (laughs) ahead of so many guys when you're looking at it. And he's
1: like the fifth or sixth guard on the roster. Like it's just really tough, but he he is only 21. This will be year three for him. So, I mean, long-term you can look at it where maybe he finds a new team in two years, which is always a good way to look at it. He'll still only be, he'll be under 25 when he's reaching that restricted free agency and could see him signing somewhere else as a proven scorer off the bench.
0: That's a long ways away and there's no way to predict what that's going to be. So maybe I'll bump them up three spots just to make you feel better as a Bulls fan. (laughs) Last question for us, rumor mill and a trade that we'd like to see. So the point here is to talk about guys whose value themselves may change or whose value of the players around them may change. I had a couple options. I had Ben Simmons is the most obvious one. I think his value goes up no matter where he goes because I don't think he could be in a worse situation than Philly. Miles Turner also, I'm not sure he could be in a worse position than what he is in Indiana as a seventh option on the floor, and that includes only four other players playing on his team. Obviously, the blocks were insane last year, but Nate Bjorken is out. That won't stay the same. He'll be closer to point five, then the three point five. And then Memphis's entire team, like all of them would benefit <laughs> from a trade because they just traded one player for five and now have about
1: four straight rotations down the, all the way down their roster. Just just a Memphis consolidation in any way.
0: We might just talk about just, that every podcast for yeah. the 60
1: days until it happens. Just do something. Uh, my guy is a, another team that I think can consolidate their wings. And that's Cam Reddish on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we, we heard it during the draft. I, I honestly thought he was gone during the draft. It, it made a ton of sense for Atlanta to move him for more of a win now piece after what they were able to do in the playoffs last year. But unfortunately, that didn't come to fruition. And he's still on the, the Hawks that have some really good wing players. Uh, he's behind Hunter. He's behind Herter. He's behind Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, he, he was able to get 28 minutes a game last year, which is actually somewhat surprising. Uh, but that's, I think that was, that was mainly due to a lot of the injuries. I mean, at one point they were, they had no Hunter, no Bogdan. It was pretty much reddish and herder in there. It also helps um, that reddish
0: only played 26 games. So that those minute totals. That's true. Yeah. And a
1: lot of that, that was all mainly early in the season as well, but he's a player. Obviously we, we we've heard the name before. He's got a ton of upside. We've, you know he's got that Paul George comparison, that comp that we we hear is mainly Paul George. But man, I, I was really hoping he'd get traded. I, it doesn't really matter where he goes; he can come off the bench for any team as long as he's more of a priority off the bench, somebody that can get a secure role and and have just a future. I I know he's got he needs a a lot of work still. I mean, he shot under forty percent his rookie year, his sophomore year, he's thirty six percent. So. There's definitely going to be some growing pains with him, but I mean, the, the upside that he has, he, I mean, he can be the real deal. So he just needs a secured role off the bench, let him develop. And I hope being on the Hawks with their depth doesn't hinder that.
0: I'm trying to buy Cam Reddish everywhere, including from you in our 12 team league, because people are probably coming down off of the high of him potentially getting moved this summer. And thinking, like, oh man, it's another season of him being behind Herter, Bogdan, De- Gallo, Hunter, you know, Collins now, Jalen Johnson, even too. So I'm trying to buy Reddish. I'm sure I'll send you a trade offer here in a couple minutes just to, <laughs> to, to reinforce that. But those are all of our post free agency thoughts. I'm sure we'll have some more as guys like Mark and Millsat Boogie get. Signed And and obviously there's probably some more moves on the way. So we'll be here to break all of that down. Be sure to check out everything over at the hoop ball family, hoop-ball.com. Let us know your thoughts. Maybe we missed somebody. Let us know who your favorite additions, draft picks or worse addition, draft picks, help most, hurt most. Let us know all of those things at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. We'd love to hear from you get that last review in there, send us all your questions. We'll be sure to update you when that happens so you can make sure to get your questions in. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you again next time.